like that. You want to try everybody and welcome that. to this Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are ready to be learned up today on this Wednesday. On this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Not a Monday or a Friday. It is a Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And again, I'm happy you all are listening. I'm very happy you are listening. But you could also make me happier by following the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter or X at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And speaking of the YouTube channel, get ready for some... I don't, I don't really know how do I want to try to explain this, but if you don't like my social media activity now, if you think it's annoying, if you don't really care about getting updates about my podcast and all these different things that we do with our blog posts, videos, and all that stuff, well, whether get ready to have it uploaded by, like a hundredfold or multiplied by a hundred. Like it's going to be a crazy few months here with college football and the NFL season starting up. So I've got a whole thing scheduled. I've got a video scheduled for two days a week, all the way down until Christmas. Like I've got this whole thing figured out, or at least I hope I got it all figured out. And I'm going to try and be consistent as possible on the YouTube channel. Try to post two videos a week, whether that be quarterback prospect rankings, whether that be challenge videos, whether it be NFL previews or just previews in general, whatever it may be, interviews, chat like a like we're gonna do a because challenges can be different things. You got like guess the player. You've got can you name X amount of things in X amount of time. You can do like throwing challenges, quarterback challenges, combine challenges. I've got all these things lined up and ready to go. I've started filming videos already, so get ready for that. The videos will start coming out next Tuesday. Next Tuesday is the goal is gonna be a Copa America preview. For the United States now, for those of you who are unaware, the Copa America does not take place until 2024. We are a whole year away from the Copa America, which kicks off on June 20th. So it's a very weird time to be posting about the Copa America. It's even the last day of the Copa America. It's July 14th. So we're not even in the vicinity of the Copa America. But with the United States crashing out of the Gold Cup for the men's side, the women's side crashing out of the Women's World Cup, it will also be... Two days after the Women's World Cup final, which I feel like, you know, people, soccer will still be on the mind. U.S. men's national team's got some friendlies coming up in September, so I felt like it'd be a good time to get something out. We've kind of teased the idea of posting a video covering the Copa America, what squad I would bring to the tournament, not necessarily what Greg Berhalter would. We might cover that as well. We'll Go over players, we'll go over depth, we'll do all that stuff, so get ready for that, and then we'll have quarterback prospect rankings. We We got a lot of stuff, again, Lined up, but speaking of the women's World Cup, we are now in the semifinals. We just had Spain beat Sweden. Sad times, but again, we said at the beginning of the tournament that Spain would be the United States' biggest threat. Even though Sweden ended up beating the United States in the uh, first round of the knockout stage, Spain has proved tough. They lost four nothing to Japan in the last day of the group stage for their group, I should say, not the last day of the group stage in general, but the last stage, for, last day for their group. And they have rallied back, pounded Switzerland 5-1, beat the Netherlands after extra time 2-1, and then beat Sweden 2-1 in the fi- in the semifinals, and now are awaiting the winner of Australia and England. If we are looking at the knockout stage predictions that I put forth that we did back before the tournament even started, what was our, no- our final four? We got two of the final four teams right. We got two of the final four. We had Spain and England 
were in the Final Four. Obviously, we had the United States, and then France was in there as well, and they lost, weirdly, they lost to Australia on penalties. So we were one penalty shot away, and they took 20 penalties combined. Like, it was an insane penalty shootout. We were one kick of the ball away in that game for getting three of the four semifinals teams right. So now, just for the sake of getting this correct, I would like to have England go to the final just so I could say I had two of the teams that I had losing in my semifinal predictions have made the finals, but Spain have looked really good. Apart from, again, that game against Japan, every game they have played, they've played really well. And I saw a tweet saying that if uh, if Barcelona is doing well, then Spain's doing well. If you look at the Spanish national team when they won the World Cup in 2010 and when they were winning all those Euros, and speaking of speaking of Barcelona, speaking of that Spain team, he wasn't uh, on the Spain team, I guess, but Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami are playing right now. I've got this game pulled up. Joseph Martinez just scored for Inter-Miami in the third minute. Third minute of the game, Joseph Martinez has already scored. I didn't think we were going to talk about that. I didn't think we were going to talk this early about it, but we were talking about Barcelona Lionel Messi obviously making his name at Barcelona, one of the greatest teams of all time during that era. Like, not even just this, even this era. I guess I should say one of the greatest teams of all time in any era. That Barcelona team around that time was just ridiculous. And Jose Martinez is onside. Slots it right past Andre Blake. Didn't even bother taking a touch. Didn't even bother taking a touch. Took it on the bounce, took it on the half volley, and just smashed it across goal, across Andre Blake, and slotted it in the back of the net. Man, Inter-Miami have a habit of scoring goals early in these games. They have a very big habit of scoring goals early, and it wasn't Lionel Messi this time. Now, he has made it a, a thing to score within the first seven minutes of the game. Seven, eight minutes of the game, he likes to score goals. So we could still be with it. We're still in that range. So Lionel Messi could be scoring here in a little bit, but we'll fill you in on the stuff that happens in this Inter-Miami-Philadelphia Union game because it's just crazy to think how different of a team Inter-Miami look with Lionel Messi in the squad. And that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And when you get the greatest player of all time joining your squad, no matter how bad you're going to be in a league like the MLS, and again, this is no disrespect to the MLS, or maybe it is, maybe it is a little bit, but you get a player like Lionel Messi joining a subpar league comparatively to the leagues he's played for, comparatively to the teams he's played with, he's going to make the league look stupid. That's why I think it's funny when people go like, oh, the MLS is rigging this for Messi, like Lionel Messi needs any help in the MLS. It's the MLS, guys. It's the MLS. Like... The same thing could be said over in Saudi Arabia. But we live in the United States. Inter-Miami are in the United States. We are the media conglomerate of the world. And ESPN posts, a, I shouldn't say a lot of stuff. They really don't do a great job covering soccer on ESPN. But they'll post some stuff on Instagram. You know ESPN, king of clickbait journalism at this point in time. Clickbait sports journalism. So they're going to be posting all these different things. But we're mostly going to see it with Inter-Miami. I did see one about Ronaldo the other day about him being apparently upset that he didn't get named player of the tournament, but instead it was about him being actually surprised he won the golden boot of the tournament. So I just think that's funny how all these different outlets will try to spew things. Like Messi and Ronaldo are the two greatest players of their generation. Not only that, the two two of the greatest players of all time, with Messi being the greatest player of all time. Messi's coming off a freaking World Cup. He just won the World Cup in December. He's going to win the Ballon d'Or. And we're talking about the MLS is rigged for Lionel Messi. Just so, Again, I brought this up a few weeks ago when we were talking about this, like talking about Inter-Miami and Lionel Messi. Just thinking about how crazy that sounds. The MLS. The MLS, which we have made fun of in recent months with the Gold Cup, talking about the different squads the United States could bring that don't involve any MLS players. Imagine saying that, but then following it up with, yeah, the uh, Messi is needing help from referees and teams are paying each other off. Like, there was an own goal in Messi's game 
against FC Dallas. There's an own goal against FC Dallas, or four FC Dallas, four inter Miami against FC Dallas. I saw an own goal worse than that at the Sporting Kansas City game against Toluca. No one's saying anything about Toluca being the rig for Toluca. It was a, almost as bad, if not worse, of an own goal in that game. I think we brought that up last week, too. But it's just crazy. Again, we'll fill you in on this as the game goes on. But And we got some Saudi Arabia stuff to talk about as well in regards to the world of soccer. And again, one of Messi's teammates. You know what? We can talk about that now. Because he also played for Barcelona. Uh, Neymar. Neymar Jr., one of the greatest players of his generation as well. Not to the same level of Messi and Ronaldo. As a skill level, like that everything was there for Neymar to become the best player in the world. Be one of the greatest players of all time. He went to PSG in order to secure a Ballon d'Or because when you're on a team with Lionel Messi, it's going to be, you know, rather difficult to secure a Ballon d'Or. Why is my Why is my Safari acting weird? Why is this acting weird? I can't click on anything. Okay, I can click on ESPN. I don't want to click on ESPN. Oh, there we go. Okay, I'm trying to get to Fabrizio Romano on Instagram because he posted a whole thing about what's going on with the whole Neymar situation. And nothing's working. What is going on with my computer? What is going on with my computer? I have the Inter-Miami game on my Apple TV, which is through my Safari, I guess. So maybe that's the problem. But come on, just let me load this stuff up. Let me load this stuff up. Okay. Rate this deal one emoji out of ten. Neymar will earn $300 million in two years at Al-Halal, which Al-Halal have got some pretty big-name players over there already. They got Serge Milikovic-Savage. They got Malcolm, who was on Barcelona for a short period of time before going to Senate St. Petersburg. They also have... Who else does Al-Halal have? I was just looking at this yesterday. There is one of, like one or two other players that I'm just completely blanking on. There's... Which shouldn't be surprised with any of these teams in Saudi Arabia is getting all these big-name players with all the money they have over there. Ruben Neves. Ruben Neves. Khalidou Koulibaly is also on the team as well. Like a very, like, big-name player. A lot of people out there, if you watch the sport of soccer, you would know all those names that we just met. Maybe not Malcolm. Maybe not Malcolm, because he was at Barcelona for a freaking cup of coffee. That was about it. But then he went over to Senate St. Petersburg. But highly touted at that time when he was coming over from Bordeaux. Bordeaux, sorry. But Neymar, again, one of the greatest players of his generation, a guy, when he was at Santa, like, he's one of the few players I actually watched in Brazil, like, playing in Brazil. I didn't watch him while I was in Brazil. I've never been to Brazil. But him playing for Santos, him playing for Brazil at such a young age, it was like he's the prince that is prominent. He's like Jon Snow of soccer. And much like Jon Snow did not want to end up becoming king. He was like, nah, I don't want that. I don't want to be king. Neymar had a chance to make one final move to one big club, and I understand it wasn't working out with PSG. I understand there was some beef with Kylian Mbappe where Mbappe didn't feel like that he they were getting equal fare, that, that they were two big fish in a fish, or two sharks in a fishbowl, essentially. So one of them needed to go. So Mbappe was threatening to leave, but he's from Paris. He's France's captain. So you would think that they're more inclined to keep Kylian Mbappe but he was also linked with a move to Saudi. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But Neymar going to PSG, that was his move. To be the big guy, to get the Ballon d'Or, win it away from Lionel Messi. He went to one Champions League final there. And for the rest of the time there, he just battled a shit ton of injuries. He played well during his time there. It's not like he was a terrible player or anything. But when you're looking at his league totals for games played, he only played above 20 games once in the league. 
of a 20 games one time. Like, he played 20 games two other times, but he only played above 20 once, and that was 22 games in 2021-22. The other three times, so he played in La Liga, or, uh, Liga on for six years. The other three times he played, 17, 15, and 18 games. Battled a ton of injuries the entire time there. Neymar, for the sky-high potential that he had, and you could say there were portions of his time at Barcelona, the early portions of Barcelona, where you're like, yes, Neymar reached his full potential, and he became arguably Brazil's greatest ever player, one of Brazil's greatest ever players. But that time spent at PSG, the world record transfer fee, people are going to look at that really weird and see, what did you win at PSG? What did you win without Messi? What did you win? Like, that was a thing that was on Pep Guardiola for years until he just won his champions, first Champions League with Man City. Like, he can't win a Champions League without Lionel Messi. Messi's won Champions League without Pep. Pep hasn't done it without Messi. And now he's won that, so that argument's been kind of shut up. But Neymar, what did he do without Lionel Messi? He won a bunch of league titles in France. Lost the league title to Lille as well. But man, it's it's one of those things where, was he one of the most talented players of all time? Yes. Is he going to become, or is he already, is he already Brazil's all-time leading scorer? I could be wrong. Is he already Brazil's all-time leading scorer? I feel like he is, but I'm not 100% certain on that. He's joint. He's joint right now. He's got 77 goals tied with Pele. And he will be. He will be. One of Brazil's most all-time cap players, going to be the future all-time goal scorer for Brazil. And right now, he's only 31. So that's too early, in my opinion, to be going all the way to Saudi. I understand he's getting a shit ton of money, but good lord. It's too early for this. It's too early for this. Like, when he went to PSG, a lot of people out there thought this was the end of Neymar's career. Like, he's throwing his career away, going to PSG. Going in a soft league, leaving Barcelona. One of the biggest clubs in the world. Like, Ronaldinho, the guy who Neymar is constantly compared with, left PSG for Barcelona. He did not go to Bar- from Barcelona to PSG. No one does that. At the, that time, at that time, because I know, obviously, like Lionel Messi did, there's a few other players that have done that as well. We're talking about this individual situation. And now he's going to Al-Halal. Al-Halal. Neymar, at 31 years old, is going to Al-Halal. That's crazy, isn't it? That's so weird to me. That is so weird to me. Neymar completed a transfer to Saudi Pro League Club Al-Halal on a two-year contract August 15th, today. Transfer is reported to be 90 million euros. 90 million euros for Neymar. He's the most expensive player of all time. He broke the transfer market. Broke it. Snapped it over his knee. Broke it. (laughs) So it's a weird situation for Neymar. Do I think he's the third best player of his generation behind Messi and Ronaldo? Yeah, I think there's a case, strong case you can may, be made for that. But there's also a situation with Neymar where it's kind of like, what if? Or what could have been? Like, it, it, even though saying that he's one of the top three greatest players of his generation, definitely number three, even though that would be the height of a lot of people's careers, Neymar could have achieved so much more, it feels like. like I felt like you could get that one more big move Finally, you have that chance to push for that Ballon d'Or. But it just never came. It never came. So now PSG are starting this whole new regime, I guess you could say, without Messi, without Neymar. The Kylian Mbappe show, they brought Goncalo Ramos, the Portuguese guy who scored his hat first career goals for Brazil or Portugal at the World Cup, which happened to be a hat trick, linked constantly to Manchester United. Like They made some pretty... 
shrewd signings this offseason. For PSG standards, who are usually just trying to get the biggest names out there, they made some pretty, you know, shrewd signings, which is weird for them. It doesn't feel like that's normal for them. They made a few other signings in there as well, but keeping Kylian Mbappe is obviously going to be the thing that they are going to be focusing on the most because he's going to probably be the next best player in the world. Like, if you're looking at who's the next Messi, who's the next Ronaldo, you're looking at Erling Holland and Kylian Mbappe. Those are the next two in line, it feels like. Or it doesn't feel like that's what it is. That's what it, it doesn't feel like that is because that's what, just what it is. But I don't know, man. That MSN line, Messi, Neymar, Suarez. Messi, Suarez, Neymar. Sorry if we're going MSN. That is the greatest front line I've ever seen. And then you had BBC with Benzema, Bale, and Cristiano Ronaldo. Again, at the same time. At the same time you had these lines. Oh, we got Joseph Martinez in on goal again. Jordi Alba played a ball over top. We're in the 15th minute now. He's on a two-on-one, plays, tries to play back to the middle of the Messi, gets it there. Messi still has it. Dribbles around the defender, plays it back to Jordi Alba on the left side. Jordi plays it to Taylor. Taylor takes a little bit of a missed touch. Dribbles back and plays it back. Okay, now we can stop doing that. <laughs> uh. But Neymar, man. I loved watching Neymar. I love watching Neymar. And it sucks being over here in America. We're never going to... I've never watched a second of the Saudi Pro League. I've not, I've not watched a second of it. And this is so much different than like when China tried to buy all the big name players. Because they didn't buy all the big names. They bought like Oscar. They bought like Fellaini. They bought Paulinho. Like players like that. Not Neymar. Not Ronaldo. I understand Ronaldo's older. But Benzema, the reigning Ballon d'Or winner, goes to Saudi. And Golo Kante surges Malikovic Savage. Ruben Neves, who are both on the same team now. Saudi Omane. Bono was just getting rumored to a move. Edward Mendy. Like, all these big-name players are going over. I never... I didn't think I'd see Neymar there. At least yet. At least yet. It's just crazy. It's crazy how this all works out. 112 games in the league for PSG in six years. That That's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. The talent was there. Couldn't stay healthy, which is not, you know, not all on him. Battling injury is never easy. But in two less years at Barcelona, he played 123 games. Scored less goals, in the league anyways. But again, he played four years instead of two years. Or six years, sorry. But man, he had a 39-goal season at Barcelona. He had a 31-goal season at Barcelona. His high at PSG was his first year at 28. And that's in all competitions. He never scored above 20 in the league. Again, first year, 19 goals. He scored 22 and 24 in the league at Barcelona. <sighs> There's a front line in, uh, oh, crap, what team is it? It's Alan St. Maximin, Robert, Roberto Firmino, Firmino. Who's the other guy? Who's their other winger? Is it Mane? What team is Alan St. Maximin on? Because that was a crazy move, too. That was a crazy move. Dude's 26 years old, talking about Ballon d'Ors a couple years ago, and now he's playing in Saudi. Riyad Mahrez. And they got Edward Mendy there. Alioski, he's over there. Zielinski's over there. Frank Kessier's over there. Good lord, there is a what? What other players are on these teams that I might have missed? There, are, most of these players I I've registered at this point. Why can't I just look at the teams? I don't care about the all-time top scorers. Performance by club. Okay, let's go El Hittihad. This is the team that got Conte and Benzema. Who else do they have? They have Jota. 
They have Fabinho. They have that's about it for like big, 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 big name players. Okay, we'll go El Nasir. That's Ronaldo's team. I know they got Alex or Anderson Taliska. Alex Tellez is there. Sadio Mane is there. David Ospina is the goalie. I've got Al Halal. That's the team Neymar just went to. Greatest team in Saudi league history. 15 league titles. El Shabab. They have Aver Benega on this team. That's about it for players that everybody would know. And we've got El Etifak. This is <laughs> this is uh, Steven Gerrard's team. And he got Jordan Henderson there. He got Moussa Dembele. Not that Moussa Dembele. The other Moussa Dembele. <laughs> Jack Hendry is over there. Robert Robin Quaison, the Swedish internationals there. That move makes sense for him, though. That move makes sense for him. Jordan Henderson leaving as Liverpool captain and going to freaking El Etifak with Steven Janad. El Fata. Lucas Zellerian. Zellerian, sorry. From, uh, you know, Columbus Crew fame. Christian Tello is there. Okay, last team. El Rida. El Rida. Do they have anybody? This is the lowest team in the league. In regards to how many titles they have. Messi shot from... Oh my god! Oh my good lord. Messi shot well outside the box. Well outside the box. It was like a freaking... What do you call that? Like, if the snake was looking up on the grass, it's getting just cut... It, the snake's getting decapitated on this guy's a freaking lawnmower. This blade here. Sliced it past Andre Blake. Absolutely sniped it from outside the box. On the ground, low driven ball. Insane. Replay it. Reload it. Reload it. Take a sip of my Coors Light, sponsor of the League's Cup. Now, Andre Blake's a very good goalie. Very good goalie. We've talked about him a bunch on this show. Very good goalie. One of the best, if not the best overall goalie in the MLS. Come on, replay. There we go. That is an insane shot. Pass from Joseph Martinez. Foul there. Not called. Referee said play on. Finds Messi in open space. You just leave Messi with open space. That's been proving to be a really well... Wow. Low driven ball across the box. I don't know if he even expected him to take that. And it looked like... it. Originally, he thought it was going wide. Dove late. So Messi scored. He didn't get it in the 7th, 8th minute mark. 7-8 minute mark did not happen, but he did manage to score in the score in the game. So we got 2-0 into Miami. But I was thinking about these these Liverpool players. You got Jordan Henderson going to El Etifak. I saw Allison, their goalkeeper, getting linked with a move to Saudi, who's getting convinced of going to Saudi. No, I don't want to go to Allison.com. I don't know what that is, but what is El Nasir. So Ronaldo's team, the team with David Ospina. David Ospina is a very good goalie for Saudi purposes. He ain't nowhere near, never has been anywhere near Allison Becker, who at his peak, which you could say right now, is the best goalie in the world. Like you got Thibaut Courtois, those towards ACL. Thibaut Courtois is there. You've got Yano Black. You've got Ederson. You've got what other goalies are there? Andre Terstegen is another one definitely in there. There's other goalies you could mention in there, but Allison may be the best out of all of them. Maybe the best of all, Jean-Luc, uh, Jean-Luca, uh, geez, Jean-Luigi Donnarumma is another one you can mention in there. Andre Onana, 
Manchester United's Andre Onana. And I'm not going to go over my Premier League predictions yet. I've I've struggled to go back and forth with them. But this one right here, if they lose Allison, if they lose Allison, that would be a massive ass blow for them. That would be an insane blow for them. Who is their is who is their current backup goalie? Is Adrian still there? Okay, you've got Adrian there. And then Keller, the Irish the youngster, and that's it. You lose Allison, you better you better think quick. Like hell, you might need to go get David De Gea or something. Like you better think on your freaking feet here. Allison is tempted by Saudi move as Jurgen Klopp faces more transfer woes. Because Liverpool have been beaten to the punch by a lot of transfers this year, especially by Chelsea, who just got Moise Caicedo and Romeo Lavia, two players Liverpool wanted. They could play an LFC midfield. Liverpool or Chelsea could with Lavia, Enzo Fernandez, and then Caicedo. Lavia, Fernandez, and Caicedo. You could play LFS just to troll Liverpool. Like Todd Bowley not messing around with these transfers now. I don't know if they're going to go into the season fully confident with Robert Sanchez, their goalie, a guy who just got replaced by Justin Steele at Brighton. I don't know if he's going to go the full season. He started their first game, but I don't know if he's going to go to the full season with them or they're going to try and find somebody else because Kepa just made a lone move to Real Madrid because of the aforementioned Thibaut Courtois ACL injury. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Premier League. The transfer window is nowhere near shut. we got about two weeks left in the transfer window. And if Allison leaves, that is huge. That's massive. You lose the best goalie in the world, arguably. How are you going to replace him? What is your goal after this? They've got to get somebody. You're not going to go with Adrian the entire season. There's no way in hell you're doing that. You look at Arsenal, got David Raya. They got him on loan from Brentford. Massive get right there. Now, they did man- They did end up selling Matt Turner to Nottingham Forest, who's the starter there, which is awesome to see. I'm so happy that Matt Turner did this because this is what I wanted freaking Zach Steffen to do. I wanted him to go to Man City, learn how to play the ball with his feet when you're playing with like a guy like Aaron Ramsdale for Matt Turner in this case, and you got Ederson for Zach Steffen. Like I want you to learn from them and then go, leave, stop being competent or comp like fine, content with being the backup there. I understand you're at Man City and it's a big like oh my god, play for Man City. You don't play. You barely play in the club. You're the third string goalie at Man City behind Ortega now. You got to go, man. Like, your stock's only going down. If you were doing a Copa America, we were doing a squad, I don't know if Zach Steffen makes it at this point. He was the unquestioned number one for like two, three years, and now we're talking about he might not make the squad in in, in a while. Because he got usurped by freaking Ethan Horvath as well, who is now Matt Turner's backup at Nottingham Forest because freaking Luton Town didn't go with Matt, with Ethan Horvath this season. Didn't make his loan deal permanent, which I thought was crazy. What I saw there in talks with getting, oh crap, they're getting a pretty big name goal. Oh, t- Tim Cruel, Tim Cruel. I saw they were in links with getting Tim Cruel, who I keep forgetting still plays, but he's still kicking it. He's still kicking it. I give him credit. I give him credit for that. But man, you gotta think of a backup option. Gotta get a backup option here. What is Twitter saying about freaking Allison? What is Twitter saying? Allison and his family are happy on Merseyside, have no plans to leave. Okay. That's from some random person, David Lynch. Football journalist reporting Liverpool FC. Okay. We'll see. We'll have to make, there has been no approach by Saudi, no Saudi approach for Allison. And even if there was, it would be swiftly rejected. Again, same thing. 
We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know how much they bid for him. I don't know how much they bid for him. And I, I love that how they're wording this. He'd be tempted by a move to Saudi. Well, yeah, if they offered me astronomical amounts of money. Yeah, I would think about that too. Let's talk about generational and generational wealth. There's there's generational wealth and then there's generational generational wealth. Generational, 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 generational wealth. Saudi can pay you whatever you want. They basically give blank checks to everybody. Never a billion dollars to freaking Messi. Like they can just you can take however much money you freaking want in Saudi. Sure, your your quest for trophies and quest for winning the thing that you that everybody says is the most important thing in sports, that's out the window. You obviously don't care that much about it, but if you get enough zeros on a specific number, hell, anybody can be everybody's got a price. Absolutely everybody's got a price. Now I would be pretty surprised if Allison did end up going to Saudi or wherever he's going, El Nasir, if they did end up going with him, that'd be pretty freaking crazy. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see. We'll see on that. But Saudi's freaking crazy. Saudi's crazy. Now we're looking at the go back to the Women's World Cup real quick. We got the game tomorrow night between um or tomorrow morning. Yeah, right. It's tomorrow morning, right? Between Australia and England. Because remember, these games were all at stupid ass times. So is this game tonight or tomorrow? Is it going to be at a st- 5 a.m.? 5 a.m. tomorrow. So we're not watching it. Um, if I had to predict who is winning this game, I'd probably lean England. I'd probably lean England. But I again, the host factor, it's big. The host Being the host in this tournament is big. In every tournament, every major tournament, if you're the host, that is huge. That is huge. I Australia actually losing to France. So I could have had France versus Australia or Australia versus England. I could have had that. I had Spain versus England as well, and I had Spain winning. So that all worked out. Look at that. Look at this big brains over here for the Women's World Cup. Same, the United States didn't play well. But you know what? You're not going to win them all. It's just not possible. It's not possible. Go back to the drawing board. Everything will work back up. Got to work your way back. Spain, the team that's in the final now, the men's team, they were top of the world for freaking three tournaments in a row. That fourth tournament got bounced the group stage. got to be 4-1 the opening game. So, hey, everybody falls at some point. You got to change things up a little bit. Tiki-taka worked for so long, and then once it didn't, it didn't. And then Spain was back to the drawing board. But they're starting to get things back. They're starting to get things back, winning the freaking Nations League over in Europe. So, they're getting back on their feet, and now you got the women's team winning the World Cup, or potentially winning the World Cup. I would like that to happen, just because the, oh, we got a shot from outside the box for... Philadelphia, it's saved by Calendar, parried out, and he'll go for a Philadelphia Union throw-in. Easy save, right to him. If it was a boulder, it would kill him. That's where it was, right in his chest. Like it's insane. Like a shot. I appreciate the effort. I mean, you just saw Lionel Messi do it, so why not try it? But the thing is, this is where you wake up and you're like, ah, I'm not Lionel Messi. I don't really, I can't really do that. It didn't really work like that. But craziness, craziness. It's crazy how all these tournaments happened this summer. It is crazy. Like you had the the Gold Cup, the creme de la creme of all tournaments. You had the Nations League for the UEFA for Concacaf and UEFA. You had the Women's World Cup. You had a lot of tournaments going. We got the League's Cup lasting for a freaking month. I didn't realize this took this long. Like Sporting Kansas City, were out two rounds ago. This is the semifinals. <laughs> I was at that game two Fridays ago, which is also crazy to think about. But I got my car back finally, which is very nice. Got the dent taken out of it. Took a while, just paid $230 to get my car fixed today, so it's just, it's just fun. 
It's absolutely, it's just a freaking blast right now. I love, I love spending money. I love spending astronomical amounts of money. But the YouTube stuff, we'll, we'll get some stuff out there for that. We're going to, we'll have, obviously, I mean, this show, if you listen to the show long enough, you kind of understand the general gist of what we're doing here, where it's kind of like a soccer and football based show. Like, of course, I'll talk about baseball because I love baseball. I love the Cubs. I'll talk about basketball when it's on. Like, we'll talk about all this stuff. It's not stuff that we're opposed to talking about. But my, obviously, if you picked it up at this point, congratulations. My two favorite sports are soccer and football. E- easily. Easily. So my YouTube channel has mainly focused on it. I don't think there's any video on the YouTube channel apart from interviews. Inter- I have two interviews that don't involve football. One of them does. I have three interviews on the YouTube channel, and one of them involves football. The other two don't. I think there's, I think there's the only two videos on the channel that don't involve football or soccer. So it's like football and football, basically. The football football show. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be challenging. Because I'm trying to motivate myself to just get get a bunch of stuff cranked out. And we're still going to have the show. Nothing will change here on the podcast. So if you listen to just the podcast and don't worry about what happens on the YouTube channel, that's fine. The, the podcast will still be here. The blog post will still be here. We're just adding extra steps to this. So there's more things coming on, but... Things will generally stay the same. Maybe there, there'll there be breaks in the podcast every once in a while just because I'll need a break of some sort. And the podcasts are easier to just null and void it because YouTube videos, they'll take a lot more time and effort to get those things done because there's the video element involved. This is just audio. It's just audio. There's no other element to involve here. Like the video is impossible to try and get that one lined up. You got to get the recording right. You got to get the lighting right. You got to get every all these little aspects involved. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm excited for it. I'm excited. So if you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that stuff, go ahead. I would greatly appreciate it. You can see it all in the different social media accounts, or you can go to the LoganBlattmanShow.com where you can check out links to all these different items as well, as well as merch. You can check out my resume as well if you want to do that. So I think there's a couple posts from a class I took at UNI as well. But the main thing here, of course, well around the way, we made it back around. We made it back around. The main thing here, of course, at this point in time, make sure you follow and subscribe to the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. You're listening right now. The only way you know what I've been saying this entire time is if you're listening to the show. If you're if you're not sure, or even if you are, might as well just check and make sure you are subscribed and leave a rating out of five stars on both. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And I got told by Andrew, we've talked about before on the show, obviously. Love Andrew. He left a pot he left a note on one of the shows, but on my on my phone, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it on my phone, so I, I've got, I'm trying to find it because I want to know what he said. So he brought it to, he brought it up to me on Friday, but I don't know where I don't know how to access it. I don't know how to access it. I saw it on another podcast, but I don't know where you, where I can access the uh, like the notes and stuff. But I know where you can do that on Apple Podcasts because I just throws it at the very end. It doesn't do it on Spotify, I guess, because I thought you could. I thought it would show because he told he was like, "Do you read my?" Did you read my little note that I left for you on your show? I was like, no. I didn't know you did that. He was like, yeah, I did. I was like, I didn't know if you were lying and asking and just saying about it. I was like, no. I don't, no, I've seen it. I've seen it somewhere, I promise. <laughs> I don't know where the hell it is. But it's on there somewhere. But I greatly appreciate you did that. Again, make sure to leave a rating out of five stars. We get one-star rating or five-star rating. Obviously, I appreciate a five-star rating more. But if you feel obligated to leave a one-star rating, just to let me know why you feel the way you do down below. And talking about football here, going about why 
what we're doing on the YouTube channel and all that stuff, we might as well talk about the two different sports we're doing. So we've talked about soccer for majority of the show so far, if not all the show. So might as well talk about some football. So we had some preseason action. The first full week of preseason action in the NFL. Fun stuff. Really fun stuff. It, it's preseason, so there's not really a, a lot you can really write home about. Like, the thing I like about the preseason, I was talking to Brady about this on Saturday when we were watching the Bills-Colts game, is that you'll get players flying around the field because they're trying to earn a roster spot. Like, you'll get players that care more in the preseason than they do in the regular season. You'll see more of that drive because you don't, you're not guaranteed anything. You're not guaranteed anything. In the preseason, they got their cut their roster down from like 130 down to 53. That's not including practice squad and all that stuff, but still, you got to cut down the roster quite a bit. And there's going to be cuts made every single week. There's going to be players retiring out of nowhere. It happens. Like it's a it's a stressful time for a lot of people out there. So you'll see a lot of big time effort placed out here. Like Demar Hamlin made his return to the Bills. Let's give Demar a round of applause for that making his return to the Buffalo Bills. And I thought he played well. I thought he played really well. Like he, the thing about Demar that I appreciate here, and it's what he did last year too. He gives 100 percent effort every time. He'll always give effort. Like there were times last year where Demar. So for those of you who don't know, for those of you who don't watch the Bills out there, and only know of Demar Hamlin through the story that took place last year, like Demar Hamlin was a backup to Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Both of them got hurt, so Demar Hamlin made his first start, if I remember right, against the Miami Dolphins. So it was Poy- it was Hamlin and Johnson were the starting safeties there, and Hyde was going to be out for the entire season. He got put on IR, had a neck injury, neck back injury, so he got put on IR. So the battle was between. Hamlin and Johnson for who's going to start next to Poyer whenever Poyer would come back. And Hamlin won the job. And I think Hamlin won the job because he was flying over everywhere. He had moments where it was like, what the hell are you doing? But he had other moments where like, hey, I really appreciate that you did that. I really appreciate that. There was a play he made in the preseason game against the Colts where he was all the way on the left side of the field, made a tackle all the way on the other side of the field. Sprinted all the way to the other side of the field. So there's been a conversation going on this offseason about... DeMar Hamlin possibly not making the roster because I think a lot of people out there again and I, I'm not surprised by this by any means it was a massive ass story scary situation so I understand that people only know DeMar Hamlin through that but there was a chance though I would say rather small that he doesn't make the roster I do think there's an option there because of the fact they just signed Taylor Rapp this offseason who's clearly in like entrenched as safety three on the bills so you got Hyde and Poyer still there. You got Taylor Rapp, and that last safety spot will be between Dean Marlowe and DeMar Hamlin. Both players who are experienced within the Bills system. Dean Marlowe was there before DeMar Hamlin was there. So you got two players that Sean McDermott and co. really trust. So it's going to be an interesting battle to see how they go out there. But in that game against the Colts, once the starters left the field, Hamlin and uh, Rapp were the two safeties after them. So Hamlin was listed as safety number three behind Marlowe, on the depth chart, but he came out with the second team unit. He played with the played on special teams as well in the kickoff team. Like, I appreciate Hamlin's effort. That's one thing I'll always appreciate about Demar Hamlin. But there are a lot of ups and downs. Which sixth round draft pick, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And I'm not saying if you're a sixth round draft pick, you can't be a very good player in the NFL. Like, I'm pretty sure Jordan Poyer was a seventh round draft pick. So like, I'm not saying it's impossible. Tom Brady was a sixth round draft pick. So it's no knock on him for that. But he's not Jordan Poyer. Like, it's just not that. I like Demar Hamlin. I would love to see him make the roster, but I do think there is a chance he misses it. Just. 
But that battle between him and Marlo will be something to watch out for all preseason long. All preseason long. But it was really cool to see him back in action. It was really cool to see him back in action. But about that Colts game, we saw Anthony Richardson start. And the Colts today, actually, announced Anthony Richardson as a starter. So congratulations to A. Rich. Because now we've got the top four picks. Three of the top four picks were all quarterbacks. We got Young, Stroud, and Richardson. All of them are going to start week one. All of them have been announced. Like, has Stroud technically been announced as a starter for week one? Is that official? Because the Colts and Panthers have announced that the starter for week one is Richardson and Bryce Young. I know CJ Stroud's the starter now, but they have, the, have they officially announced he's QB1 for the season opener. Preseason opener and season opener are two completely different things. So I'm intrigued to see how that one goes, but I think I would imagine he is, right? I would imagine he, I, I can't, he's better than Davis Mills. He's better. I know he didn't play great in his first preseason game against the Patriots, and we talked about that throughout the show. I thought Tank Dell played really well in that game, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who watched Tank Dell at Houston. He was a freaking baller down there. So I, I'm really excited to see how Tank Dell and CJ Stroud's chemistry builds throughout their careers, but I'm excited for this rookie class. I'm really excited for this rookie class. I mean, Bryce Young looked calm in his game against the Packers. Didn't really do a whole lot in the game against the Packers, but looked calm, and that's all you can really ask for. Or against the Packers. I was, I was thinking Aaron Rodgers against the Jets. Against the Jets, sorry. I, Aaron Rodgers was in my head, so I was just thinking Packers, but no, it was against the Jets. Now, they didn't win the game. They didn't win the game. They got to beat 27-0. And Bryce Young didn't put up any astronomical numbers. Only threw, four, only threw six passes the entire time. Which we knew going in to the preseason was announced by Frank Reich and co. That Matt Corral would take most of the snaps in the preseason. And Matt Corral, apart from the interception, played all right. He played all right. I mean, 15 for 22, all right game. Zach Wilson's looked really good this preseason. I say really good. You got tone expectations, of course, but he's looked better than what we've seen recently of Zach Wilson. The Zach Wilson we've seen for the past two years, like, <laughs> it's better than that. It's better than that. And the Jets, speaking of that, just signed Dalvin Cook. And the Patriots have signed Zeke Elliott. So the Jets got a really big two-headed monster. Now we're having the conversation where they had the best running back duo in the league. So who, who currently has that title? Because it's not the Browns anymore. Remember, Kareem Hunt's not there, so it's just Nick Chubb, which I think that's perfectly fine for the Browns. Like the Bills, Damian Harris, and James Cook? <laughs> but James Cook looked good. In that first, he played the first few drives of the game, scored a touchdown on the first drive after A. Ridge got picked up. But we'll get to that again in a little bit. But who's... Who else is there? It's not the Cowboys anymore because Tony Pollard's just there. Deuce Vaughn's played well. He played well in their first game. The Eagles, Rashad Penny and uh, DeAndre Swift. Is that one of them? i say it's definitely up there for one of the duos in the league. Washington, Brian Robinson and uh, Antonio Gibson. It's a pretty solid one. Pretty solid one. The Bears have like 15 running backs this year. The Lions, Jameer Gibson, David Montgomery. That's a pretty solid one. The Falcons, Tyler Allgaier and... Uh, Bijan Robinson, along with Cordero Patterson, that's a pretty good one. Packers, AJ AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Vikings don't obviously don't have one anymore because Madison. I mean, Dwayne McBride's there, so we'll see how that one goes. Saints, Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams. When Alvin Kamara's back from suspension, that'd be a very good one. Cardinals have James Conner. They just had Marlon Mack tear his Achilles, which is not great. 49ers, I mean, Chris McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. That's a very good one. Seattle. A young one, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. That's going to be a good one, though. Chiefs, no, I mean, Clyro Zolaire and Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon. I don't know, is is, is Pacheco the starter? Is he technically the starter? Because they kind of just rotate them all. I, think, I know Clyro Zolaire is not. 
They got the Chargers, Eckler and Isaiah Spiller. Do they have anybody else on the roster? I can't think. I'm just trying to think of this off the top of my head. Jaguars, Etienne, and Tank Bigsby could be pretty good. Titans, they have... Oh, they just... Ty J Spear and Derrick Henry. Nice thunder-lightning situation there. Steelers, who's number... Warren and Najee Harris, that's a good one. Ravens, got Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins. That one's a pretty solid one. <laughs> Dolphins got Mostert and Chase Edmonds. Is Chase Edmonds still there? I know they got Ashenay from A&M. Pages got Zeke and Ramondre Stevenson. I saw someone, I think it was ESPN, say, Does the, do the Patriots the best running back doing league? Hell, freaking no, man. Zeke hasn't been that in years. People have been saying Tony Pollard's the better running back for the last, like, three years. Like, this is no new news. Zeke is, he's not that. He's not that guy no more. I mean, I remember when they signed Cam Newton, everybody thought they did something. There's a similar-ish situation here. But Dalvin, Dalvin Coast got 4,000-yard seasons. Dalvin Cook was just named, and however you want to look at this, that's fine. But he was just named the NFL Top 100 Players. And he wasn't even on a team at that point. So pairing him with Brees Hall, who just got removed off the pup list. So you got Brees Hall, and you've also got Michael Carter's there. You've got, oh uh, crap, Ty Johnson, I think, still there. Like You've got other options here on the Jets. So you can ease uh, Brees Hall back into this with Dalvin Cook. Now, I'm intrigued to see how they balance the two. I'm going to be very intrigued to see how they balance the two. But, hey, the Browns did it pretty well with Kareem Hunt and Bradley Chubb. Or Bradley Chubb. Nick Chubb. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Like, the Packers have done a fairly good job with it with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Like, you can you can do it. If you've got the right people involved, you can do it. As an offensive coordinator, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett with the Bills was not great. Nathaniel Hackett with the Packers. Or with the Broncos was not great. Nathaniel Hackett with the Packers. Pretty solid. Helped that he had Aaron Rodgers. So, we'll see how that goes. But... I don't know. It makes the Jets a little bit more formidable, I guess you could say. Craziness. Craziness. Back to the, back to the rookie quarterbacks. Back to the rookie quarterback here real quick. I think and Stetson Bennett, speaking of rookie, I thought he had a pretty good game. I thought he had a pretty solid game. But Trey Lance is the one, or Trey Lance, no, we'll get to Trey in a little bit. Anthony Richardson is the one I want to talk about here first. Because he's considered, by a long shot, out of the top quarterbacks in the class, because obviously if you go further down the draft board, there's going to be guys that are nowhere near ready to play. Richardson's obviously more ready to play than those guys, but he's still a raw prospect. And he missed some throws in this game. I thought what was interesting in this from Richardson is he was throwing a lot of sidearm. He's not a sidearm. I think a lot of that was to do, and it's kind of similar to what we saw with rookie Josh Allen, to a certain extent. Josh Allen's first play of his NFL career with the Bills, preceding game against the Panthers, late in the game. First play, bombed on the left sideline, Robert Foster, overthrew him by like 15 yards. Just to show everybody the arm strength. I think in the thing with Josh Allen his rookie year, touch was a big issue. Touch was a very big issue. He's got that under control now. By I mean, a lot. He's a top two quarterback in the NFL. You would hope so. Anthony Richardson, though he has a very good arm, and he, had, he showed touch at times at Florida, but there were times he would sky over the receivers. So I'm sure Steichen and co. are trying to whale that in a little bit. And we'll see how he does. But this game, it looked like he was trying not to zip it in that hard. But there were a couple throws he absolutely freaking laced it into the receivers that are about 10 yards away. Now he threw a beautiful ball. Beautiful ball. And I think it was a post corner by Alec Pierce. I think it was Dean Marlowe, actually. If I'm, I think it was Dean Marlowe or Siren Neal. I can't remember who it was that was the defender on that one. But Alec Pierce just flat out dropped it. The ball was placed right in the bucket. Like, it was a perfect, perfect throw from Anthony Richardson. And he dropped it. 
perfect throw from Richardson. And the backup quarterbacks, like Gardner Minshew went 6-for-6. Six six. You had freaking Sam Ellinger going 8-for-9. Both threw 72 yards in the game. Richardson only threw 67. But I thought for rookie debuts against the Bills' starting defense, the, the Bills put out their entire starting defense apart from Vaughn Miller in this game. Everybody else was there. I know the middle linebacker spot's still up in the air, but Trey White was out there. Hyde was out there. Poyer was out there. Matt Milano was out there. Greg Rousseau was out there. Ed Oliver was out there. Like every major name you think of the Bills' defense, they were out there for that first drive against Anthony Richardson. And he got picked off by Taron Johnson. Not a great throw by Richardson. But I think it was a little, you know, he got he got the wires crossed a little bit on what he was trying to do on that play. So I understand to a certain, not a great throw. I'm not trying to defend the throw or anything, but I, he got the wires crossed. I think he was trying to do something else, and it, it didn't work out. He only ran the ball twice in this game as well. Got seven yards total in this. But he's a freaking huge dude. He's so big. So big. And they had Evan Hole in the backfield with him as well. Rookie from Northwestern. They had two rookies back there. I don't know. I thought he played well. I thought I thought as a whole, there's there's things obviously there to work on, but that's what you need. You you need room to grow. And Anthony Richardson obviously has the tool set to grow in this offense, to grow in the NFL, to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's got all the physical tools, got all the gifts to do that. And in their first preseason game against one of the best defenses in the in the league, you're going to have your ups and downs. So I was not surprised by the ups and downs. But I thought, for the most part, he played all right. I don't think any rookie quarterbacks really looked like that amazing out there. Out of the ones that I watched this weekend, I think like Aiden O'Connell probably played the best. I, Aiden O'Connell played really well. And I was kind of surprised Aiden O'Connell walking out there. And I guess I never even looked at their roster. Uh-oh. We got Lionel Messi coming in on goal and Messi just scored again. No, no, Jordi Alba. Jordi Alba, sorry. I don't have my glasses on. The 18 looked like a 10. Still first half. Four, no, a 3 nothing. We got plus four minutes. 48th minute of the game. We got Jordi Alba scoring. Now we just need a Sergio Busquets goal. We got all the Barcelona guys scoring. But Joseph Martinez, Lionel Messi, and Jordi Alba scoring goals. Those names alone, you shouldn't be surprised that they're scoring. Obviously, Jordi Alba being a left back. But attacking left back, very much so. Easy. Just so easy for him. There's even been a... I think there's been one free kick in the game. Like, this has all just been open play. Of course, Messi with the assist. Yeah, easy goal. One of the easiest goals Jordi Alba will ever score. Easy. It's completely found out defensively. No. Oh, geez. My eyes are all messed up. It was Robert Taylor. Beautiful pass from Robert Taylor. Beautiful pass from Robert Taylor. Yeah, going to halftime 3-0 lead at Philadelphia. Easier way to a Leagues Cup final. Pretty awesome stuff right there. And again, I never thought I'd be sitting here watching Inter-Miami games. Inter-Miami is so ass, but they're playing so well right now. They're playing so well right now. Like, three of their best players scored a goal in this game. Three of their best players. Martinez, Messi, and Alba have all scored goals. Crazy stuff. But is there any other, like, back to football? Like, oh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's played well, really well this preseason. Dorian Thompson-Robinson's played really well. He had one incompletion in their game against the Commanders. He also had 11 yards rushing. Like, DTR, man. I love myself some DTR. We've been on the DTR train for a while here on the Logan Blackman show. We've been on the DTR train for a while. And the fact he went in the fifth round, I think it was the fifth round, crazy stuff. Clayton Toon, 
for the Cardinals. Like, he played all right in his game against the Broncos. Didn't have the highest completion percentage, but played all right. But it's the Cardinals. You're, you're not really expecting a whole lot this year out of any player for them. It's kind of just a, a drab year for them. It's just going to be a down, very down year. Very down year. But Aiden O'Connell coming out wearing number four. Again, this is what I was trying to say before freaking <laughs> Jordy Alba scored. Aiden O'Connell coming out number four kind of surprised me. I know Derek Carr's not an all-time, like a like a legendary player or anything, but he did put a lot of numbers up with the Vegas Raiders and the Oakland Raiders. It's kind of like a Joe Theismann situation I thought it would be like. But Joe Theismann won an MVP and a Super Bowl. Derek Carr's never really come close to either one of those. But as far as like, I don't know. I, to, long story, I was just surprised that number four was being worn this early. I don't think Derek Carr is an all-time player. I don't know if Derek Carr will get his number retired for the Raiders at all. But it uh, for a first year, like the wounds, the wounds still healing here. <laughs> the wounds still healing, and they just let the rookie quarterback wear it. But he played well. He played well wearing number four. Yeah, 141 yards and touchdown this game. Marched right down the field a bunch of times. Had a very a couple really nice throws down the sideline. But the other quarterback on the other the other quarterback that started alongside Aiden O'Connell in this game, Trey Lance, he did not have, you know, the greatest game of all time. Statistically, fine. I mean, 10 for 15, 112 yards, one touchdown. But with the backup off the line, I understand the Raiders had their backup off the defensive line in there as well. But for what it feels like throughout the whole NFL, backup off the lines, you get a starter hurt, your off the line is done. <laughs> it is done-zo. And Trey Lance struggled. Trey Lance struggled. So I would imagine when the season rolls around that Trey Lance gets traded. I don't think cut. I don't think that's going to happen. Depends on what the 49ers are asking for. If they're stupid, like, and ask for, like, a ridiculous, like, like then when they, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised they asked for something stupid. They asked for freaking first-round draft picks for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, obviously, that wasn't happening. So, he had to restructure. And they signed with the Raiders this offseason. The surprise of absolutely no one because freaking Josh McDaniels is there. But Trey Lance is, I, I want him to go somewhere else. And this is why I'm talking about Anthony Richardson. This is why I'm happy he's getting week one start. That's why I'm really happy he's starting week one. Because Trey Lance has not played. He's barely played, let alone the NFL. Let alone the NFL. College, he's barely played. Like, if you're looking at Trey Lance right now, he has thrown, what? we got to do a quick math here. High school, college, an NFL regular season, because they're throwing preseason stats here. We're not going to talk about preseason. Or do we want to talk about preseason? It doesn't really help his case either way. If we're including high school and including preseason, he has thrown 591 passes. In his football career, he's thrown 591 passes. That is not a lot. That, that, that is not a lot of passes for an entire career. And I understand he's a young guy. I understand that. But still, that is not a lot. Like Josh Allen, let's just put this in perspective here. So Trey Lance has 591 career. This is high school, college, preseason, and NFL regular season. Josh Allen in, just, okay, let's go last year. 567 passes. Last year, 567 passes. The year before that, in 2021, 646 passes. So Josh Allen... In 2021, had 50-plus more pass attempts than Trey Lance did his entire career. 
His entire career. Let's look at who led the NFL in pass attempts last year. Because it wasn't Josh. Who led the NFL in pass attempts last year? Tom Brady. Tom Brady had 733 pass attempts last year. 733. Tom Brady had 142 more pass attempts than Trey Lance has in his entire football career. And that's including preseason. These are not the numbers I read. Josh Allen's and Tom Brady's numbers are not including preseason. So we're looking at Trey Lance and just bewildered why this dude's struggling. He's got zero play time at any level. He didn't even throw 100 passes in high school. 99. He threw 318 in college. He played one year at North Coast State. Technically two because he played one game against Central Arkansas when the FCS canceled their entire season and moved it to the spring. And Trey Lance played that like showcase game against Central Arkansas in like October or September. 318 in college. What was his total when he was at North Dakota? What was his, like, that freshman season where he lit it up, won a national championship and all that stuff? Where were his totals there? He threw 287 passes that year at North Coast State. 287 passes in his one year at North Coast State. Because he played the season before, he played one game, and then the year after that, or he had one attempt his freshman year. Redshirt freshman year, he had 287 in the next year. Where he played that one game, he had 30. He has fewer pass attempts in his entire career than Geno Smith had last year. And you're throwing him in the preseason. So far this preseason, he has, in his preseason career, he's playing just with a bunch of backups, essentially. Especially in this game against the Raiders. Just a bunch of backups. This dude needs to play. Like, when you're looking at rookie quarterbacks and you're talking about them being projects, Josh Allen was considered a project. Josh Allen started his second game of his career. Second game in the NFL, he started. Anthony Richardson, considered a project, started his first game. It will start, if any, unless anything goes wrong, knock on wood, will start his first game in the NFL. Trey Lance has played four games in the NFL, one in a monsoon, one when he broke his ankle. He has thrown 591 attempts which is 100-plus attempts less than Tom Brady had in one season alone. And we're wondering why. We're sitting here now wondering, like, man, Trey Lance just doesn't got it because he doesn't play. He doesn't play. You got a quarterback like that, you need to play. And Kyle Shanahan being not patient at all, he's not going to in San Francisco. So I want him to go. I want him to go. He's too talented. Now, if he ever realizes that talent, that potential, that's another thing. I think he's too talented to be rotting on the bench at San Francisco playing with three 591 career pass attempts. Kyle Shanahan won't let him learn at this point. Kyle Shanahan literally said today that Brock Purdy would, quote, have to melt in practice to lose his starting job. Would have to melt in practice. How does that even make sense? Brock Purdy, per Kyle Shanahan, it took about three games for Brock Purdy to show he was the, our best QB. No, I don't think Brock Purdy got away with a lot of things last year. Sure. I think in that game against Seattle, he threw like three interceptions. All of them bounced off the defender's chest. But Brock Purdy played well. If Brock Purdy plays within himself, I think 49ers can go very far. 
And Brock Purdy starts reverting back to the things we saw at Iowa State where he's trying to do everything, trying to do way too much, then we might be talking about a different story for the 49ers. Because from a physical tool standpoint, Trey Lance is not worse than Brock Purdy. But from what we've seen on the field, he's a thousand times worse than Brock Purdy. Like, it's not even close. It's not even close when you've seen on the field. That's why I wanted to play. And I don't I don't know if you'll ever realize it. I don't know if you'll ever realize that potential that we said he had when he got drafted in 2022. I don't know if he ever will. Or 2021, sorry. At this point, it doesn't look like it. But it's crazy. And I saw a tweet the other day talking about the 49ers in that draft when they traded for Trey Lance. Justin Fields, for those of you who are wondering, I saw this tweet after 2020 college season, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields was the clear second pick behind Trevor Lawrence. Early 21, Nair Star reports Zach Wilson made a few. Just, John Lynch won Justin Fields. That's what that says. That, that's the main thing here. That's It says it in italic, bold font at the top. John Lynch won Justin Fields. That's not true. That has been well documented that Kyle John Lynch wanted Trey Lance. That might have been different. Maybe it's different at the beginning, at the end of the college season. Maybe it's different then. But leading up the draft, Trey Lance was John Lynch's guy. Mac Jones was Kyle Shanahan's guy. That's been very well documented on this show. It was a battle between Trey Lance and Mac Jones. That's what the battle was. It ended up being Trey Lance because the entire organization, per reports that I've read numerous times, not just now, Back then, that said the entire organization was trying to convince Shanahan of drafting Trey Lance because of what he could do for the offense. Not what he could do now, but what for what he could do in the future. And we've said this a million times in the show, Brock Purdy is a guy that, will he elevate the offense a thousand times with his skill set? No. But Brock Purdy will put the ball in the right place, he'll not make any stupid decisions, and that's what Kyle Shanahan wants. He'll run the play exactly how he wants it. He doesn't need a Trey Lance or someone to ad-lib or someone to extend plays. He just needs someone to run the offense as he drew it up. So that's why he wanted Mac Jones. So maybe we're looking at Mac Jones differently if he's in San Francisco. And who knows what we're looking at with Brock Purdy. Because Mac Jones started week one for the Patriots. Would he have started week one for the 49ers? Who knows? But the whole thing back then was that you want to get a guy that can be better than your current starter. Can Mac Jones be better than Jimmy Garoppolo? With the Patriots, I don't think so. If he was with the 49ers, maybe we're talking about something different. Maybe we're talking about Mac Jones when he was at Alabama when, he, when Devontae Smith won the Heisman. Maybe we're talking about that version of Mac Jones. Not the Mac Jones we see now where it's a quarterback battle with Bailey Zappi. Something no one thought what they would see happening. But hey, crazier things have happened, I guess. Crazier things have happened, I guess. But man, this Trey Lance situation's weird. It's very odd. It's very odd. But I'm happy for, you know, in regards to project quarterbacks, I'm happy Anthony Richardson's starting. I'm very happy Richardson's starting. But, man, fun stuff. And speaking of Richardson and his old college team, Florida, uh, Graham Mertz got announced as a starter for Florida, which, which really isn't a surprise to anybody. I didn't know who, at least to me, maybe I'm just completely missing missing something, but I didn't think they were really in conversation of starting anybody else other than Graham Mertz. Now, I don't think Graham Mertz is that great, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how the offense switches from going from uber-athlete, super-strong arm Anthony Richardson to going to Graham Mertz. No offense to Graham Mertz, he's not the same as Anthony Richardson. He's not the same style of quarterback that Bill Napier has had throughout his college career. Like, even go back to Louisiana. 
Graham Mertz does not fit what he does. So I'm intrigued to see what kind of offense they bring out there. Otherwise, Florida could be in a little bit of a hurt here this season. I don't know if Florida will be very good. I'm not really expecting the ceiling for Florida this year. They play Utah again, at least I think they do. I'm not expecting them to do anything against Utah this year. But there's teams that, you know, we do expect some out some out of this year. Like Georgia, SEC teams. We expect Georgia to constantly be competing for SEC championships and not even that SEC championship, or national championship, sorry. We expect that. Florida, I don't know if we expect them to be in the top 25 at all this year. They did receive votes. They did receive votes in the top 25. The AP poll just released the other day. Florida received four votes. Joint with Duke, Mississippi State, and, you know, national powerhouse Toledo. One above uh, Illinois and Coast Carolina and Baylor. Followed by Liberty, James Madison, NC State, South Alabama. The AP Top 25. So, you know, the coaches poll. I never gave an absolute rat's ass about the coaches poll. No one cares about the coaches poll. No one cares. Uh, especially me. Like, you look at what the national championship game a couple years ago with between Ohio State and Alabama, that game with Matt Jones versus Justin Fields. That semifinal game, Clemson, Ohio State, Dabo Sweeney proudly stated on TV they didn't even have Ohio State in the top 10 for their coaches' poll. See how that worked out? That's the coaches' poll for you. They didn't even have Ohio State in the top 10. Ohio State trounced them with a quarterback with broken ribs. Justin Fields played well in the preseason game as well. I know his long, long touchdown was a little dump off to DJ Moore, but hey, the DJ Moore-Justin Fields connection gets Bears excited. Bears fans excited. But the AP Top 25 reads as follows. And no, like, massive surprises. I mean, we'll make fun of some picks here, but nothing really, like, major, major. But it goes Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Washington, Texas, Tennessee, Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon, Kansas State, TCU, which I'm very intrigued to see how TCU does this year. I'm very intrigued. They got Chandler back at quarterback. Which, for those of you who don't remember, he was the starter at TCU before he got hurt. And then Max Duggan came in and obviously did, you know, Max Duggan things last year. So I'm I'm very intrigued. I'm part of me's worried that they're gonna be like the drop off team. They kind of caught lightning in a bottle and then goes crashing back down to earth. I we see that a lot in college football. Oregon State's at 18. DJU there at quarterback. You got Wisconsin 19, Oklahoma 20. Coming off a six and six season. But it's Oklahoma. They got North Carolina. They got Ole Miss. Texas A&M, who's always in preseason top 25, don't matter how good they were the season before. Always. It doesn't matter. They could have gone 4-8, and 3-9, and nine, or 12-0 and 0 the season. They're going to be in the top 25 regardless. They got Tulane, which I'm excited that they're in there. Got Michael Pratt. I'm excited to see what he does this year. And then IOWA, 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 sitting there at number 25. Which, if you're just going based solely on offense, that should be surprising. Defensively, Definitely not. Definitely not. Phil Parker always has the squad rolling on defense in Iowa. If, again, the offense stays competent, that's all you're asking for. That's all you really need from Iowa this year is just to stay competent. You don't need to do anything too flashy. And this team could be really good. I'm not saying challenge for, like, a playoff spot or anything because I don't think there's a chance in hell they beat either Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State. I don't think there's a chance in hell in that happening. Like, not even just in the preseason rankings, Michigan ranked 2, Ohio State 3, and Penn State 7. Even outside of that, it's not even going to be close. Like, Iowa plays Penn State this year in the regular season. At Penn State. I don't really think there's a chance in hell Iowa wins that game. But, I've been wrong before. I was beating Penn State when I didn't think they had a chance in hell beating them before. So, hey, anything's possible. I've also seen them get routed by 40. But then the next week, go out and beat Michigan. Uh, Like, that makes sense. That makes sense. 
But Ohio State, Kyle McCord will be interested to see how he does. We obviously got Marvin Harrison. We got Travion Henderson. Marvin Harrison, sorry. Travion Henderson. Then you've got Emeka Buka there. Kate Stover still there. You got weapons galore at Ohio State. So Ohio State will still be there, but Michigan, man, I think they got the best quarterback in the Big Ten. Drew Alar, obviously, is going to get a lot of hype. He's been getting a shit ton of hype this offseason at Penn State. So we'll see how he does. In limited action last year, but people are really buying in the hype of Drew Alar. But J.J. McCarthy is the best quarterback in the Big Ten. I, I would say for for certain at this point. Not even just draft prospect. He, he's just the best overall quarterback in the Big Ten. Like We're looking at the Big Ten quarterbacks right now. I got Phil Steele's magazine out just to remind me of who's at the quarterback position for each team. So we got Kate, uh, we got JJ McCarthy, we got Kyle McCord at Ohio State, we got Drew Alar at Penn State, who again, four touchdowns, no interceptions last year, but not a lot of action. Tulia Tagaviola at Maryland. You got Noah Kim at, Bish- at Michigan State. I guess I haven't seen who's officially their starter this year. They got Gavin Wimsat at Northwest or at Rutgers or Evan Simon. It doesn't matter either way. Then you got Taven Jackson freshman for Indiana. Then you got Tanner Mordecai, transfer from SMU. I'm really excited to see what he does. Normally at Wisconsin, they don't have a good... They, like, they have a steady quarterback. Tanner Mordecai can put up some massive numbers. At least he did at SMU. We'll see what kind of offense they run at Wisconsin with Fickle. You got McNamara at Iowa. Then you got uh, Luke Altmyer at, at Illinois. You got Ethan Calamancus, Cal- Calicamanus, sorry, at Minnesota. Then at Nebraska, you got Jeff Sims. Excited to see what Jeff Sims does. I liked him at Georgia Tech. I'm excited to see what he does. You got Ben Bryant at Northwestern. You got Brennan Sullivan there still as well. You got Ryan Holinsky there. You got Hudson Carr transferring from Texas at Purdue. I think it's a very good get for them. I don't know if it's enough to get them back to the Big Ten Championship game, especially with Iowa and Illinois or Iowa and Wisconsin being better. And then you've got freaking Nebraska should be better. I mean, you got Matt Rule. I'm really excited to see what Matt Rule does. As a neutral, as a fan of Iowa and a hater of Nebraska, I obviously would be rooting against Nebraska. But, you know, as a neutral, Matt Rule coming back to college football is very good. Matt Rule's a very good college coach. Terrible NFL coach, but good NFL coach. But J.J. McCarthy is definitely the best quarterback in the Big Ten. After that, then we're having some, like, different conversations here. Like, I saw a top five the other day. It was J.J. McCarthy, Tulia Tagovailoa, Cade McNamara, Tanner Mordecai, and Drew Alar. And I understand why people are putting, like, McCord low and Alar low because as potential-wise, they could both be two and three, if not one. But we haven't seen anything from him. Like, we had Sean Clifford there at Penn State. He was entrenched as the starter for them for 18 freaking years. And then C.J. Stroud was at Ohio State. So we haven't seen anything from their quarterbacks. We know they're going to put up good numbers. Like, McCord, McCord just needs to not turn the ball over, and Ohio State will be fine. Like, you have the best receiver duo in the, NFL, in the college football by a lot. Like, there's good receivers in college football, but this is the best receiver duo. You have one of the best receivers in college football in years. Like, this is an insane dude who's only going to get better, which is scary. Absolutely scary to think of. It helps about having a Hall of Fame dad. That'll help you, you know, through this process. But if I was ranking these quarterbacks, if I was ranking these quarterbacks, I've got, again, I got the magazine pulled up, so I'm going to try and, like, look through this and try to remind myself of different quarterbacks. And we just read through it. Hold up. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. But do I want to put Tua Liga at two? Tua Liga at two? Do I want to? I think he'll, he'll put up good numbers. We know that. Maryland, will, he'll always have decent numbers at Maryland. But I think I want to put Mordecai at two. I think I want to put Mordecai at two. And then I might put Tualia at three. And then McNamara. Uh, I don't know. I like McNamara, but I just think that there's other quarterbacks that are more skilled. Like, if I would. I might go McCarthy. Maybe. 
Mordecai, Tua, Leah, Drew, Drew Alara, then Kyle McCord. Probably be what I would do. That might be harsh. I think K. McNamara has been, been to a Big Ten title. He's played in the playoffs. Like I I don't want this to sound like I'm disrespecting K. McNamara. I'm thankful as hell that he's at Iowa. Great leader. But I'm... You know, I don't want to be... I'll put him in top five. I have to keep him in top five. But I think McCord will definitely be in there at the end. I think McCord will definitely be in there. And I, it's close. It's close. This is a better... The Big Ten's at a better place quarterback-wise than it has been in recent years by a wide, wide margin. Like, you can even have... You had conversations for the Big Ten the past however many years about which quarterbacks were the worst in the Big Ten. Because you had so many bad quarterbacks... It was more of a competition of that rather than who's who's the best. It was like just who's not the worst. Like when you're having a conversation and Clayton Thorne, Peyton Thorne is in the conversation for top two quarterback in the Big Ten, you're having some problems. You're having some very major problems here. Like the Big Ten last year, I mean, they had decent quarterback. They had C.J. Stroud, they had Aiden, Aiden O'Connell, Sean Clifford again, there for 100-plus years, so got something there. But I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued by these Big Ten teams, but Iowa, they they need to they need to do something this year. You wasted the defense and special teams last year. You got a quarterback in. You got Eric all in. You got better receivers. You got Caleb Johnson have a full year under his belt. The offensive line can't be much worse again. Need the defense will be good as well. So I'm expecting good things from Iowa this year. But for the top 25, there's nothing really that big of an issue. I I'm kind of surprised. Maybe just off long standing stuff, but I'm kind of surprised LSU's not above Bama. I'm kind of surprised by that. I've talked about Alabama not being the quote-unquote Alabama that we've seen from years past, and that's mostly because of the quarterback position, but that's, I mean, that's the most important position on the football field. If you have three guys, you have none. So I'm intrigued to see where they go. They haven't announced anything yet, at least that I've seen. Florida State at eight, I thought they'd be a little bit higher. I thought they'd be higher. I thought you'd be pushing playoff points with uh, Florida State. The top three, I really have no issue with. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, I think that's fine. I think that's fine. Like, Florida State, I thought, should be a little higher than that. I thought they'd be a little higher. Like, Oregon, I thought they'd be a little higher, potentially. But, like, outside of the top 15, you're kind of just nitpicking at that point. I'm kind of surprised Ole Miss is there. Kind of. I'm kind of surprised Tulane's there. Oklahoma, I understand they're Oklahoma, but they sucked ass last year. Tennessee's going to be fun this year. I'm excited to see what Tennessee does with Joe Milton. Clemson. Kind of surprised by that. I don't. I don't know. Cade Klubnik. We'll see how he does. But I probably move and USC at say I. I might move Alabama down a few spots and like. Like, jeez, I don't know. We're nitpicking at this point. We're being nitpicky, but we got you and I in the top twenty for the stats FCS poll or the coaches poll for the FCS. Sorry, they were in the top twenty four, I believe, is what I saw for the stats poll, which is the main poll you look at for FCS football. But for the coaches poll, they're twentieth. Which you and I, I think they'll be a good, they're obviously going to be a good team. they got a powerhouse offense. They lost a few people. They lost Dion McShane, lost Vance McShane. They lost Quan Hampton. They lost Dom Williams. They lost a few, like those are big name players for you and I. But they brought in some big pieces as well. They've got a lot of receivers still there, even though Hampton and McShane will be big losses. They've got other pieces there. They've still got a solid running back duo. they got a transfer in from UTSA. Like, they'll be fine. And Theo Day, the best quarterback in the FCS, you're going to be fine. Off the line, you know, you got some question marks there as well, which is weird for you and I. I mean, he lost Ryan Clayton to Iowa State this offseason. It was not great. 
But it's hard to blame him. It's hard to blame him for not going for going there. Hopefully you can prove that there. But Iowa and Iowa State will be fun. Will be interesting to see this year in regards to the whole how the gambling scandals affect them. And I saw something actually. Where is it? Uh, Arlen Bruce bet on. Okay, here we go. Allegedly placed nineteen. No, 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 no. Was where is there was one? Oh, this this was a funny tweet. One stipulation I'd add to every office coordinator's contract: multiple active members of your team found to have bets bet the under, you're fired. And I think that's fair. I think it's very fair. No, there's something like he bet the under of a game and scored the touchdown to go over, or something like that. The like the over under was 32, and he scored a touchdown to make it 39, or, or 37. Sorry, and they were at 32, and he scored 30 to make it 39. Or something. I can't remember exactly what the stipulations were, but funny nonetheless. And he's down at Oklahoma State, I think is where I saw him the other day. But it's this stuff's a mess. Stuff's a freaking mess. Oh, nice overlapping run. Ball in the corner. French of Miami plays it back. DeAndre Yedlin, America's right back with the ball. Plays it back. Crossfield pass to Robert Taylor. Chest it down. Plays it out wide to Jordy Albos, taking on one-on-one defender. Plays it back to Taylor. Plays it back even further, and we're going back to calendar. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that anymore. But that's all I've got for you, really, today. It's all, oh, this was kind of uh, Big Ten 2023 Heisman hopefuls. Marvin Harrison, J.D. McCarthy, Blake Corum, Drew Alar. I think those are fair. I think those are fair. Those are going to be the main ones. Donovan Edwards, I think, deserves some mention. I think Emeka Buka deserves some mention in there as well. Like, there's other good players in the Big Ten. But those are the, the consensus guys that I've seen. Like, Drew Alar, potential-wise, could easily be number one or number two. But he's only had 60 pass attempts. At least that's what he had last year. Put up good numbers in 60 pass attempts. And Kyle McCord will put up good numbers, so he'll be in the conversation there as well because of the receiving core that he has with Cade Stover, Marvin Harrison, Emeka Buka. Like he's got all the potent- all the situation, the correct situation to put up massive numbers. So we'll have to see. But I think those are the main guys you're looking for in the Big Ten. Those are the K. McNamara, obviously. Caleb Johnson, obviously. Nico Regani, obviously. There's other players, but. But the last thing I want to talk about oh, we got a little overlap here. Lionel Messi with the ball. Cross at ah, way over everybody. Way over everybody. Karenski with the ball. Now Joseph Martinez plays it back. He was a little frustrated there. Played it back to Jordi Alba. Plays it back towards the middle. Trying to find Lionel Messi. Doesn't get DeAndre Yedlin. Common mis- misconception there. Messi with the ball. Plays it to Joseph Martinez. Tries to cross it. He slips on the cross, and it's chested back to Andre Blake. But Joe Weber, we've talked about this before. We This was the trivia thing we did where you could name all the schools in college football that aren't, like, Power 5 schools that are not named after a town or city or state or something like that. Wow, that was horrific. Good Lord. But Trivia Tuesday. Can you name the eight teams that made up the Big East Football Conference at its height in the glorious 2007 season? Here are the current conferences, so you can play along as well. AAC, ACC, 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 Big Ten, Big 12, Big 12. Okay, so we'll, okay, we'll go we'll go the easy route first. We'll go Big 12 teams. So that's Cincinnati, and that is West Virginia. Those are the easy ones. Because Cincinnati was very good. They had Tony Pite that played in the Sugar Bowl against Florida. They had Marty Gilliard. Like they had a very good team back then. The Big Ten, it's obviously Rutgers. They had he also not be named, but Greg Schiano was there as well. ACC, first one, we got Pitt. Pitt was awesome back then. Pitt was awesome. Pitt was my go-to ACC team or Big East team back then. 
go-to Big East team by a lot. Louisville was another one. Brian Brom, freaking baller while at Louisville. Baller at Louisville. Obviously, Lamar Jackson did not play at Louisville or play in the Big East Conference, but he would have been very fun in the Big East there. So we've got we've got four teams down. We got four teams down. Other ACC team. We're trying to think of this off the top the top the, off the dome piece here. Off the dome piece. The AAC though, UConn's uh, independent, so it's not them. Who would be the other AAC? Because Cincinnati left. AAC. Who are the teams in AAC? Memphis wasn't there. Tulane wasn't there. Navy wasn't there. UCF's in the Big 12 now, and they weren't there either. Who else would have been... I should just stop thinking about what conferences there are to start thinking of Big East teams. We've got three left. <laughs> ACC. No. Yeah, we got... No, we got two left. No, three left. Two left. Two left, Yeah. Because so we got West Virginia, we got Cincinnati, we got Rutgers, we got Pitt, we got Louisville. So yeah, we got two left. Two left. Who's the other ACC school that would have been in the Big East? Syracuse. Syracuse was in the Big East. So there's six. Now we need to think of this AAC school. Who else was in this conference? Who else was the fi- who was the final team in this conference? So you think of Big East basketball? Georgetown? No. They don't have basketball. They don't. Well, they do have a football team. They're FCS. Seton Hall, Villanova, Creighton. All FCS. Some don't even have football programs. St. John's. They're not football. Again, Memphis is not a Big East. They're in Conference USA forever. At least that I remember. Tulane, no. Navy, no. I'm just repeating the same teams I said earlier. Louisiana Tech's not in the AAC. Who the hell else would be in there? Who the hell else would be the AAC? Was I'm completely blank. Am I am I out? Oh, Independent's up there too. Okay, Yukon. I didn't even see the Independent line up there. Yeah, okay, Yukon. We said that already though. We said Yukon. So we got seven teams. I didn't even see Independent that was on there. I kind of, oh, we got Robert Taylor crossed across the box. Try to play it to Joseph Martinez, cleared out by Philadelphia. AAC. Because that was Michael Lorenzen. Donald Brown was there. UConn was good for like a short period of time. Very short period of time. AAC, though. Why am I struggling so much with this? Like, I'm trying to go back to my pit. Oh, it's USF, South Florida. South Florida, yeah, yeah. No, I gotta check because I think it's South Florida. I could be very wrong here. I think it's South Florida because they had Matt Growth, Matt Growthy. Remember that? Matt Growthy, what a dude. Yeah, South Florida. Let's go. Let's go. The AAC is a mess of a conference. Good lord, this is a little different than what I remembered it being. I couldn't even. I couldn't have even told you UTSA was in the AAC. I would have never been able to tell you that. Wow. But USF, yeah, Matt Grothy. He had a few other decent players like BJ Daniels. Did he play in the? Oh, very good headed effort by Philadelphia, and then skied over the bar after the say by calendar. BJ Daniel. Did BJ Daniels play in the Big East? I don't think he did. I think he was just AAC. I got to go back to when... So that was 2007. There's no way BJ Daniels played that far back. No, no. Okay, that was... Big East didn't dissolve all the way back then, though. 
Okay, this is that's still the Big East. Oh yeah, then he would have definitely played in the Big East. Yeah, 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 yeah. He played in the Big East. There was a stretch. Was it two thousand eight? What year was it? They had a year where they were ranked super high. Yeah, they beat West Virginia. They beat West Virginia. Matt Grothy, 135 whopping yards there. And they played Florida Atlantic. Was this the year they were ranked super high? That was number six. There was a year where they started off really good. Ranked as high as number five. They beat UCF, and then they lost to Rutgers 30-27. to Matt Teal. Wow. They lost to East Carolina one year. What year was that? At least I'm at least that I'm remembering. I could be completely wrong. East Carolina. No, East Carolina beat West Virginia. That's what I'm thinking. East Carolina beat West Virginia. So that was 2007. Because that was a bad stretch for West Virginia. It was like Jarrett Brown days. So no, it was the year after. It was 2008 for them. Because it wasn't Pat White. Pat, no, it was Pat White. Wow. Oh, they lost to East Carolina and then lost to Colorado the next week. And it was at East Carolina as well. Man, Patrick Pickney. Wow, I remember him from the old NCAA games. That was a shocking game. That was a shock. I'm pretty sure East Carolina like lost the next week or something. Like they beat West Virginia, and they beat someone else, and then they lost the next week. They beat Tulane. Yeah. They beat Virginia Tech, they beat West Virginia, and then they beat Tulane and then lost to NC State in overtime. And then crashed all the way down to the nine depths of nine and four. Had to rank ranked as all as high as fifteenth. Yeah, we got it. That was easy. Eventually. Eventually we got it. Took some time. Took some time. But we got we got there. We got there. Man, I keep going back to this clip. I clicked on another thing on my picture. My camera Brock Purdy would have to melt in practice to lose starting job. That's a crazy quote. But that's all I've got for you today on this Wednesday edition of Logan Blackman Show. I sure hope you did enjoy. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. We'll try to be better next time. And yeah, we'll try to be better. Make sure, again, you subscribe and follow all those different forms of social media we brought up before. Oh, there it is. The... Iowa over under Northwest was 37 and a half. Arlen Bruce scored, bet, bet, accused of betting the under. His touchdown took the point total from 33 to 39. Yep, so he bet, he bet the under, helped score the touchdown, and bet the over. So, yeah. Don't be like Arlen Bruce. Bet on the Logan Blackman show. It's a guaranteed winner there. <laughs> Legally, though. And, yeah, I will see you guys later. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And I will see you guys later. Peace.